It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports in a rainstorm? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. From our soaked Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Studios in San Diego, we thank you for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines, our Monday bonus podcast. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, not allowed to do the show out left field today during the rainstorm, the venerable John Riley. We're going to be here for the next hour, our regular Monday bonus podcast, an absolute ton of topics on the the table. Our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center, nine stores in San Diego. You got projects planned for 2024. We want you to see what Dixie Line can do to help you. And by North County Eye Centers, Poway and Escondido. We all need help with our eyes. Down road, when that happens, think North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John Riley, we have a ton of topics on the table, a lot of late breaking stories. Before we do that, let's remind everybody what happens when we're done talking topics on the table. They get the chance to stand up and sound off. It's called Fans Forum. Yeah, you can get involved in Fans Forum. In fact, it's one of our most popular segments. It gives you a chance to ask Hacksaw a question or maybe you have a comment about the Super Bowl coming up. Just type in your your comment or question in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum. And a reminder, we are expanding all the things we're doing with our podcast we want you to join what john calls hacksaws insiders group how do they do that yeah go to leehacksawhamilton.com in the upper right corner is an orange box put in your name and email there get on our list join the team we're sending out information like the best 15 minutes in, in sports most every day uh one man's opinion plus we got some great plans for the new year and a reminder we invite you to share what we're doing with all your friends in your address book tell them about my website that's all written every day. Tell them about our Monday Bonus Thursday podcast and give us a thumbs up. Give us five stars. John, we're only starting one place that's really important in San Diego right now, mm-hmm. and that is what just happened at Viejas Arena over the weekend. It sure looks like San Diego State got the message. Yeah, they did. I mean, Dutcher switched it up with the lineup, got some great results as from We're it. talking about San Diego State stomping Utah State, which was 19-2 and when they came into the building. Aztecs, it's a statement game. They had played so poorly, three straight road blowouts in three very tough venues. They turned the tables on the Aggies. Utah State walked in and got hit in the face with Aztecs defense, Aztecs energy, and the show. The Aztec fans were just just to the left out of out of control. <laughs> they trashed Utah State. If there was a police officer in the building, maybe he would have charged San Diego State's basketball team with common assault because what they did defensively probably is against the law. <laughs> but they banged them. They beat them up. They bashed the Aggies' offense, which totally went away in the middle of the first half. The forwards played with unbelievable energy. Have not really seen that much of the season. I think it's maybe the most complete game SDSU has played. 
And to me, I guess it's it's kind of like a statement game. They are now back, they think, in the Mountain West Conference playoff race. And obviously, we've got three to four weeks left before we get to the Mountain West Conference tournament. Jay Powell and Micah Parrish, who've been MIA for a large chunk of the season, combined for 30 points, ton of rebounds, block shots. The guards, which have run hot and run cold, they combined for 26 points. And Jaden Ledee went double figures for the first time. He didn't have guys draped all over him. He got a lot accomplished. Uh, San Diego State hit nine threes. They were down by seven early. Utah State could not convert, started missing all their threes. Next thing you know, it's a 15-point San Diego State lead. And the Aggies, man, the look in their eyes and their face, their body language, 12 turnovers, 21 fouls, 6 for 23 from the arc, and they shot a miserable 41%. And I just I watched the Aztecs from the middle of the first half on. Their defense made every Utah State possession hard. Mm. They never let them get into their offense. Now they go back on the road. Hope there's not an ambush coming. they got to play at Air Force. Then they're going to play at Nevada on Friday. And they still have a trip to Logan, Utah. And I can imagine Utah State saying, we'll see your ass up in Logan because you're coming in here the last week of the season. What a complete game. Dutcher, last time we saw him, was red-faced, screaming, slamming his chalkboard in front of his players. The poor road game. They got the message. And that was a pretty quick turnaround. You know, from getting your doors blown off on Thursday, mm-hmm. coming back and playing with that kind of anger in your eyes uh, on on Saturday. So huge win, San Diego State. And John Riley says, "Are they back? <laughs> Are we back? I think so. I'm I'm encouraged. Um, there's a number of things that happened in this game that were caught my attention. Obviously, he changed. Dutcher changed the lineup." Which he and Steve Fisher going back years, like rarely ever do that. And so they removed what was it, Elijah Saunders and Micah Parrish, put in Jay Powell and a, a guy who really should be a starter in Darian Trammell. And it seemed to really change the energy. And the dudes that were now coming off the bench, they weren't, you know, moping around. They came out and they had great games, Micah and Elijah Saunders. So that was really cool that way that dynamic worked. But at the same time, they had like, I don't know, 20, 25 former Aztec players that were in the house to support their guys. And, you know, like when Lamont Butler, or not Lamont Butler, but Micah Parrish hit one of those threes from deep, he gets out the Adam Seiko, you know, phone. And, and so it just had all the good vibes, you know, and it's all in Vieja Serena. I love it all. That's great. And those fans, they were beyond out of control. Oh, but yeah. It was cool. But. Only counts as one. And it's a, still a good one. I mean, it was the first place team they knocked off. Yeah. Oh, they whacked them. Yeah. So, so you know, what? they're going on the road to Air Force. That's never an easy out. Then they're going to go on the road to Nevada. I I'm going to Steve Alford knows guys, and that's not easy at all. I'm going to be at that game. So I'll be the guy with the red and black somewhere amongst all the blue and white. Okay. So we got <laughs> San Diego State. That was a huge, complete game victory on Saturday at SDSU. From college basketball... You need to explain this one to me, John. Yeah, this is just such a weird team, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> they sometimes they just be so awesome, and the other time you just scratch your head. Yeah, last week, some of us at this table wanted to trade the owner, trade the general manager. A bunch of people want to fire the coach. whole bunch of Laker fans on social media were telling you, trade half this roster. Now people say trade LeBron James. And what do they do? <laughs> they go into Boston 
without Anthony Davis and without LeBron James, and they beat the hell out of the Celtics. The Celtics were 22-2 and at home, and the Lakers' backups, without their two superstars, whack them. And then they go to New York. The Knicks had won nine in a row, even though one of their stars is hurt. And and they just dismember the New York Knicks. Now, cost him Jared Vanderbilt goes down with what might be a season-ending broken foot injury. That's a blow. But they made a change. Austin Reeves, you're running the offense. Hmm. LeBron, you're playing out on the wing. And Reeves went off for a ton of points in Boston and in New York. And LeBron, when he played against the Knicks at the Garden, he had himself a really, really good night. Now, trading deadline is Thursday at 12 noon. Big question. What do they do? They're still in the running. Uh, They're still talking to Atlanta about DeJounte Murray, but the price tag seems to go up because Murray is wanted by a bunch of other teams. They're talking to Toronto now about a possible deal for one of their guards. The question is, they want to rid themselves of D'Angelo Russell. He's making Boku Bucks, two-year deal. Some nights, he'll score 39. Some nights, he'll score 13. He's just so erratic. They're trying to put him in a deal. They got to find somebody that's willing to take the contract and take the guy's level of play, which is up and down, up and down. Everybody wants one of their number one draft picks. So trade deadline on Thursday. So you tell me, Jekyll Hyde. I mean, do you believe what the Lakers did, Boston, New York, or do you believe the junk we've seen prior to that, how poorly they played against bad teams? I, I never know what we're getting, not tonight. Well, I know. I was sitting in my chair, minding my own business, and you texted me and said, don't spill your beer, man. Look what's going on in the Laker game. And I quickly turned on. I was I couldn't believe the score. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, you know, we go on and on about the supporting cast, and they got to find they're tinkering with it, trying to find the right guys to complement AD and LeBron. And now here the supporting cast goes in without the two big guys, and they win it all. So maybe the supporting cast isn't the problem. Maybe it's AD and LeBron and the way that they, they mesh with the other guys. Okay, so fans forum chat room is going to be open, looking for somebody to jump on the Laker line. Give us your assessment, what's right or wrong with the Lakers. And are you buying his insinuation, maybe we should trade LeBron James who's only got one year left on his contract? Yeah. I don't know. That sounds awful sacrilegious to me. Get some number ones back, you know, and rebuild. Okay. Fans Forum is open. If you're an Aztec fan, if you're an NBA Lakers fan, jump into the conversation. So let's go from hoops. Let's talk football. Yeah, Lee, you got a big list here of news and controversies going on in the NFL. Yeah, let's let's talk about just kind of jump around the NFL roadmap the week of the Super Bowl. By the way, our Super Bowl preview will be on Thursday. You won't want to miss what we're going to talk about on that on Thursday at 1 o'clock. Uh, Bill Belichick, first name on the board took out a full-page ad in the Boston Globe yesterday thanking Patriot fans for a quarter of century of support. Mm. And it was from the heart. It was really kind of impressive. You know, he's been a curmudgeon. He's really (laughs) tough to deal with from the media standpoint. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He does what he does. But it was really kind of... It was a human side of Belichick that hardly any of us who've been in and around the NFL have ever seen. And then... Yesterday morning, outside the stadium, Foxborough on Route 1, which is one freaking lane, which means traffic slow, just two billboards. 
Really? In each direction, from the Patriots thanking Belichick nice. for 24 years of service. So, Yeah, well done. That was kind of cool. Okay, so that's the New England story. Uh, Dateline, uh, Chargerville. I don't understand this. I hope this does not happen, but I think it already has happened. Jim Harbaugh is hiring an offensive coordinator who's had some success. His name is Greg Roman. Greg Roman was with the Baltimore Ravens as offensive coordinator. Prior to that, San Francisco 49ers as offensive coordinator during the Harbaugh years. Pretty good credentials, but Greg Roman is an RPO guy. Run pass option. Oh. Greg Roman developed Colin Kaepernick. Greg Roman polished Lamar Jackson. Interesting. Do you want Justin Herbert running the football? <laughs> no. Because that that is part and parcel of what the RPO project is. Interesting. Is, is your quarterback is going to run options and he's going to bust some plays. But running quarterbacks have a history of getting busted up in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I, I view Justin Herbert strictly as a pocket passer and yes. nothing more than that. He'll scramble if he has to scramble and does have the ability at six foot six to long stride for some big plays. I don't want him running RPOs. That's kind of weird to me that Harbaugh gets his crown jewel of a quarterback who's busted all the records for third and fourth year quarterbacks in the league, throw in touchdowns, quarterback rating. And he might allow Greg Roman to make him an RPO guy. I don't know that I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's an odd one because shouldn't coaches um, not bring in like you know their their paradigm, their playbook? They need to they need to mold it to the skill and talent of the team that they have. So it would be ridiculous for you know to turn into like a run and shoot or an option or whatever with Herbert. I mean, this guy's got to be smart enough to run a more conventional NFL pocket passer kind of an offense, right? Yeah, I just, I was really strange. I don't want that quarterback RPO in it very often. Uh, next topic on the table Raiderville. They were about to make a move on an offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't come to terms on a contract. With the Raiders, and I don't know whether that was with Antonio Pierce or whether that was Tom Telesco's influence. They wanted Kingsbury because they're going to go find a young quarterback. They wanted Kingsbury to develop the quarterback. So Kingsbury, 24 hours after talks with the Raiders kind of break down, goes to the Washington Commanders. That's hmm. kind of a surprise. Yeah. And Washington's got the second pick in the draft. And who's the top quarterback on the draft board? Caleb Williams. Where'd he come from? USC. And who was the consultant the last two years at USC? Cliff Kling Kingsbury. Connect the dots. There you so go. There, there we go. Uh, Raiders then hire Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator, which is a complete U-turn from what they wanted to do, which was throw the football down the field. Getze had just been let go by Chicago Bears. Getze was part of the development of the quarterback, Justin Fields. And Getze was also a guy who's a proponent of, we are going to run the ball. I mean, Bears Bears had a really great running game mm -hmm. to complement the kid quarterback this year. Now, they, they don't have a running back because Josh Jacobs is a free agent. So that Raider decision is kind of weird to me. <laughs> but that's where we are with the Raiders. UCLA. Oh, boy. Your guy, Chip Kelly. I'm going to use a word here that might fit who this guy is. The word is ingrate. Ooh. Chip Kelly has been given everything at UCLA. Their football budget is through the roof. 
their athletic department deficit is through the yeah. roof because yeah. of Chip Kelly. <laughs> He's had maybe one really good season. Mm-hmm. Everything's sandwiched around it. Not so good. His attitude towards people, towards the alumni, towards the boosters, the big cigars, towards the media, not so good. And and he's on this long-term contract. Chip Kelly interviewed Washington Commanders. Chip Kelly has interviewed with the Raiders. It's like Chip Kelly wants to jump ship. Interesting. Job is not completed at UCLA. And by the way, you're going to the Big Ten. And at this late date, Chip Kelly's contemplating stepping away. Wow. Does the word ingrate match match <laughs> the facts that I just presented? This is weird. Well, just looking for another opportunity. I mean, this is the time to get back in the NFL, right? I mean, this is when all the action is. All the coordinators are getting hired. John, they gave him everything he wanted at Westwood to be a Bruin. Yeah, but it's and not he, working. He knows that. <laughs> but you're going you're gonna to bail your college football program right before... Right I mean, it's terrible timing. I, I agree. It's cool. terrible timing. But um, that is interesting news. I mean, I'll tell you what. So I, I don't know if he's going to exit, but I'll tell you what, people in Westwood, people around UCLA, the alumni, the boosters, the big cigars ought to be looking at this guy through a different lens right now about does this guy care about anything but himself to bail on this program after they gave him everything and to bail on this program at such a late date. We go from that. This is an amazing story. National Football League. Unbelievably successful. Owns owns the sports world. Owns the economic advertising market. You tell me how this happens. A lawyer on Long Island gets arrested, gets indicted, insurance fraud scam with the NFL. Hmm. This lawyer was linked up with three or four other doctors, fraudulent billing of insurance companies for injuries on behalf of players. Ha. Huh. This guy has just been sentenced to 12 years in prison. Everything he owns has been seized. He defrauded the National Football League at a $332 million in a five-year period. Holy crap. And all the doctors, the four or five doctors that were part of his ring who were filing fraudulent documents and forging documents. Yeah. how how does this happen in the National Football League, which has its hands on everything that goes on as it relates to the National Football League? How does this insurance fraud happen? Well, people aren't paying attention, obviously. Yeah, but we've seen um, we've seen this sort of thing happen in outside of the NFL, where there has been insurance fraud and this you know people milking Medicare with bad billing and that sort of thing. It, it's sort of an indictment of our whole healthcare system, which is a different topic. But it is interesting because you figure the NFL is just so careful about how they spend their money. And, and was this with teams across the league or was it just a couple of them? No, across the league for inj- injured players and doctor's bills. You had a rotator cuff injury. Yeah. You know, you're a right tackle, so you go get examined, mm-hmm. and the claim goes to these doctors, and these doctors attach a dollar figure, and they send it to the insurance company, and the insurance companies were paying it, and they thought some of the charges are absurd, excessive. And so these this ringleader would take the insurance thing, and that spend some of the money would go back to the player uh, for compensation. Oh, or, Oh, so there was a little grift in there. There was oh, a little that, kickback. Is that the correct term? Yeah, yeah. grift. Okay. Okay. So it's more than just these attorneys and these insurance or the, med, the the doctors. The players were in on it. No, the players. No, they weren't in on it. But the people who build the insurance companies were the fraud. 
Okay. And they got all this this money back. Yeah. Just absolutely. But then the NFL has to pay higher insurance premiums, you know, because of this. Based on the volume and the cost right. of the Right. So they're getting screwed, too. And then that just trickles down to the tickets that we pay. Yeah. It just amazes me how this could go on for five years and nobody pays any attention to yeah, it. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Okay. Now we got another one. <laughs> Dateline here. Put the board back up. Jacksonville. Jaguars. You know, the NFL is involved with FanDuel. Oh, yeah and, yeah. and all the, the betting things. Jacksonville Jaguars had a vice president. We talked about this six months ago, who was fired when they found out he was vice president of finance, that he was skimming money from Jacksonville's coffers to fund his own lifestyle, lavish living. <laughs> this guy stole $22 million from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unbelievable. Finally got indicted and he's going to prison. Yeah. Jacksonville has gone to FanDuel, which is linked to the NFL as a corporate sponsor. Right. They want the $22 million this guy stole from the club and bet this guy had a gambling addiction yeah. in addition to everything else. $22 million he bet. Jaguars want the $22 million back from FanDuel, the NFL sponsor. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, well, first of all, it's, it's crazy that all the betting is so, like, incestuous with the teams and the broadcasting partners. That's obviously theft. That's fraud that occurred with the Jaguars and their, their executive. But if I'm like FanDuel or DraftKings, I'm thinking, well, we did nothing wrong. You know, I mean, and besides the money that you gave us, we've already had to pay it out to the guys that won on the bets. So I, I don't think you can really hold them liable. This is just going after the deep pockets, isn't it? I mean, but when people, when you get things stolen, you don't necessarily are guaranteed to get retribution or reconciliation for that, right? Isn't, isn't it weird that they're going after the money from FanDuel, which is now a corporate partner with the National Football yeah. League? Well, if anything else, it should come from the coffers of the Jaguars for being so incompetent to allow this guy to be, you know, stealing money. And or and, and then hopefully they have some kind of an insurance plan. But to go after the big deep pockets is just, it's ridiculous. I'm sure glad you did not cut law school at UCSD so you could <laughs> rationalize how this is going on. One other topic here. This has to do with college football. We have talked incessantly over the last couple of months, John, about Super Conference, that this, this may be where college football is going to wind up. The Big Ten and the SEC have just formed a study committee to come up with a blueprint that will devise how a super conference could work in college football. The elite teams from the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big 12, the top teams would join. Everybody would have to fund their money to a certain level in terms of NIL money, and all the corporate money would come from the TV networks would pour it into a pool, and the 24-team super conference would all share evenly. So the Big Ten and the SEC has picked up the flag and say, we're going to come up with a formula to how to how to make this super conference work. And then we'll present it probably to the whole NCAA. Kind of fascinating because people recently have said this may be the way we're going to have to go, that only the top will be getting the big paydays. Everybody else left behind, the Wake Forest and the Oregon states of the world, will get their conference TV money. It just won't be at the volume they got in the past. 
this is the way it's going to have to be. It doesn't have to be this way. This is just the way that the big guys are trying to monopolize the whole market. So, you know, I don't blame them for having a conversation. It makes sense. It's the SEC and Big Ten that are having the discussion, but they don't want to let, you know, ACC teams or they don't want to let pack two teams to be part of that process. So this is all them kind of just trying to rig the system for them. And this is just exasperates the whole haves and have nots. I mean, you know, God help you if you're a you know, group of five school. Exactly. So that's where we are. Hey, fans forum is open. We've just given you a ton of hot topics on the table. Join in the conversation about the NFL, Harbaugh, the Raiders, Chip Kelly, is he an ingrate? You want to talk about the controversies <laughs> off the field with all the stuff of money? We want to hear from you. We get to halftime. Hacksaw's bonus podcast on a Monday brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. There are nine locations in San Diego to serve you. You got projects for the winter into the spring. And it does not matter whether it's inside or outside, whether it's windows, doors, counters, bathroom cabinets, sinks, bathtubs, showers, Dixie line the people to deal with. I wonder if they deal with kayaks and (laughs) rowboats with five inches of rain here in San Diego during our Monday bonus podcast. But these, these are the people that we deal with. These are the people you should deal with Dixie line. And a program note, our Super Bowl preview Thursday, regular 1 p.m. start time. Chiefs 49ers will be talking Super Bowl on Thursday. John, quickly, for everybody that's joined us on the live stream, introduce to them what Fans Forum is all about. Holy moly, look at these people all piled in. Manny, Baller, um, Fig, Kevin, Zach, Bob, John, Chris, George, Earl, Victor, Craig, you're all on board in the Fans Forum. And other people, if you're watching or listening, you can get involved too. Type in your question or comment for Hacksaw in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. And when we're done, go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I write on it every day of the week. And in the right-hand corner of the homepage, we want you to join our team. It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We email a lot of stuff out. Also, want to remind you, subscribe, because we put stuff up on our YouTube channel all hours, all different days and nights. If you get a ding, ding, ding at 2.30 in the morning, blame him because he's the one that's up that feeds it. But join us so you'll get the notices when we put something new on our YouTube channel. So we go from halftime. we got baseball to talk about here, John. Yeah, we're getting close to spring training here. I'm getting fired up. Well, we got the Dodgers, we got the Padres, and they both go to spring training next week because they start the season early in March in South Korea. Mike Schilt, the Padres' new manager, A bunch of comments as they get ready to go to Peoria. Fernando Tatis is my right fielder. There will be no switch. In terms of the holes in left field and center field, he's of the opinion, great opportunities for Jackson Merrill and Jose Azucar. The relievers, by committee, they will all get the opportunity. Suarez, the left-handers from Korea and Japan, and he says we have 31 days to figure out our pitching rotation. So that was from Mike Schilt. Dave Roberts at the Dodgers Fan Fest. Otani will be the opening day DH. He is hitting now. His rehab from the elbow is complete. He's hitting, can't throw. Will be number three in the batting order. Dave Roberts kind of put a cloud over the starting pitching. Walker Bueller has recovered from the elbow surgery, second surgery of his career on that arm. 
He will not be ready to start the season. They're going to slow go with him. I would assume that Bueller's going to spend a month in extended spring training, just continue to build his arm and, and do all the regimentation. And I would assume maybe by May 1st, Bueller will join the Dodgers, be in the rotation. Dustin May has made progress beginning the throwing program. Target date for him to pitch coming off his elbow surgery July 1st. Clayton Kershaw making progress, his recovery from the lat surgery in a shoulder. It looks like August 1st will be the target date for him. James Paxton, the left-hander they just signed, went healthy. This guy's pitched well, 64-38 and 38 record, but he's had health problems two years in a row. He's kind of going to become an insurance policy. And the right-hander uh, from Japan, Yash Yamamoto, is going to be and every rotation guy, which means he'll pitch every fourth or fifth day. The Dodgers are not going to do once a week with mm. him. He will be in the rotation. That's a different scenario than the Angels did with Shohei Otani. And the Dodgers, about an hour ago, traded our left-handed relief pitcher Caleb Ferguson. He goes to the New York Yankees for a young minor league pitcher. So the Dodgers are, are maneuvering an awful lot of people around. So... I'm sure sometime in the next couple of weeks you'll show up wearing baseball gear on our <laughs> podcast. So what do you think about what Mike Schild had to say about who's playing where in the outfield and what Mike Schild had to say about the starting rotation and bullpen by committee and your reaction to all things Dodger Blue? Well, I think the Padres have their, um, what do they call it, uh, their, their, uh, the talking statements. You know, they've been passed down from Eric Grubner, <laughs> you know, that we, you know they're not going to say we're going to win it all. They're not going to say we're going to have all-stars at every position. Now they're saying and it's about the kids. And yeah, that kind of makes sense, especially if you're cutting back the payroll. Some Padre fans are kind of saying, they're sort of rationalizing it. And they're saying, well, you know, that's the way it was always meant to be, right? We were going to have Tatis and Machado and Bogarts, and they were going to be complimented by these up-and-coming youngsters. But it still feels like, I don't know, is this a bait and switch, you know, the way that they're selling the season tickets, but we're going to have a couple of like, you know, minor leaguers to compliment Tatis in the outfield. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, as a fan, I'm excited to see the new talent, but I'm not sure if I have confidence in this because the Padres still need more players. Well, I think they do. Last I checked, do they have credibility in left field and center field? No. Not yet. No. <laughs> uh, do they have a first baseman true DH? No. Not that I know of right now. <laughs> no. well, the rest of the roster is okay. Um, and I know there is a segment on social media that, hey, everything's fine. Well, if if, if Azucar's hitting 206 in June and Merrill's not ready, then what do you got? you got problems. Mm-hmm. And by the way, who's your first baseman in your DH? So I don't think it's a complete roster. I think it's it's a good team. And a, a, unfortunately, a very hard division because of what the Dodgers have done. And I, I still maintain it. I wrote columns about it this past week on my website. Um, I still maintain you have huge question marks in that starting rotation. I mean, you do have Darvish and you have Musgrove, and you hope that they are completely healthy from the elbow and and the capsule issues they both had. And everybody's talked glowingly about Michael King. He's going to be their number three starter, came from the Yankees. I don't know about the fourth and fifth starters, the guys who were thrown into the Yankee deal. You know, at the end of the day, those guys had high ERAs, and they were in the Yankees. I had, I had a baseball a retired player came to me this weekend and said, Yankees don't give away talent. If those guys were really good, they'd still be in New York. Yeah. 
So that's a big there, big issue there with the two pitchers, Brito and Valdez. And then once you get beyond that, they don't have any depth at all. And they have any physical problems, I think they got all kinds of trouble in the rotation. Bullpen is really deep. Um, you know, so I think you were the one that made the absurd comment that's probably true. Bullpen day. Every fifth day will be a bullpen day. <laughs> I think it might turn into that. So that's you know? that's where we are there. And in terms of, of the Dodgers situation, um, I'm a little surprised with this injury update from Dave Roberts that Bueller's not ready opening day. Dustin May will be behind him before he gets there. And then Kershaw, now they're talking Kershaw August 1st. It does take time to rehab from capsule surgery. So Dodgers pitching, I'm not going to say it's suspect, because they do have an awful lot of really good young arms still there. You know, they made all those offseason changes and they only removed one starting pitcher, Ryan Pepio. Yeah. So Dodgers would be good in the lineup. Wow. Lineup Did you is- see the quote from, what was it, Mookie Betts saying, oh, we're going to have a target on our back. Every time people play the Dodgers, it's going to be their World Series. It's probably true. But but they, they always choke in the playoffs, you know. <laughs> and they haven't won a real World Series since 1988. You know, Kirk Gibson and that whole squad. So, I mean, come on, Mookie. Okay. Hey, you're a baseball fan. Agree or disagree with me about this Padre pitching thing? And John, John's down on the Dodgers because the Dodgers don't win the World Series very often considering all the money they've spent. Join us, you Dodger or Padre fan. Join us, fans forum. We go from that. I knew something was going to happen. I'm not sure I agree with what happened. We're talking L.A. Kings hockey. Yeah, they, they got rid of their coach. Is this going to solve the slump? They must think so. I mean, you can't fire the roster. I guess that's that's the reality of of any pro sports franchise. So you fire the coach. I mean, the Kings were twenty four and seven coming out of the gate. A phenomenal start. They're in first place, and then they went on a three and fourteen binge, and they stopped scoring. And they got they got inherent problems. Uh, they got a goaltending problem that has not been solved. And one of the goaltenders is gone for the year. Phoenix Copley. Cam Talbert can't play every game, and Cam Talbert's not what I'd call all-star goaltender. And they they got guys making $8 million a year that aren't holding up their end of the bargain. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been just an unbelievable disappointment. And I think now we know why Winnipeg got rid of him and why Columbus before that got rid of him. And now the Kings are stuck with an $8 million a year contract for the next eight years for a guy that's got 10 goals and doesn't seem to work <laughs> real hard and seems to float. And Kevin Fiala's making almost $8 million. He came from the Minnesota Wild, scores goals, takes penalties, makes bad passes, etc. So Rob Blake's really got some struggles. So they dumped Todd McClellan, kicked him out in the street, and he had done a good job up until... A month and a half ago, all of a sudden, he falls from favor. This is more on the roster. This may be a little bit more on Rob Blake, because you're the one who gave out all these contracts, and you're the one who traded all these players to get Dubois and, and get Fiala. It doesn't seem to be working out. So I'm, I feel bad for McClellan, but he's he's a veteran coach. He did a great job in San Jose. He got fired. Went to Edmonton, organized that, did a good job. Then he got fired by the Oilers. Comes to the Kings, and here we are out of the gate. Does really well, and... Doom. Look where we are. Kings hockey fans got to be concerned. I mean, it's different than down in Anaheim where the Ducks are in just a massive rebuild with every young player they can get their hands on, which means they're going to lose for a couple more years. This Kings thing is just stunning. So, did, you know, it's funny is when you go look at photos online of McClellan 
every one of them, he looks angry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks pissed <laughs> off. So did they give up on their coach? Is that what happened? Why the skid? They stopped listening. And they, I think they stopped playing defensively. And they, they got second and third line guys that are making mega bucks that you would think if you're being paid $8 million, you're going to play and you're going to play hard and you're going to be a power forward and you're going to score goals and you're going to go into the corner and you're going to stand in front of the net. I don't see any of that happening with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, I'm starting to say, must be you, because it surely can't be the teams that trusted you and gave you contracts. It's got to be you. Why yeah. are you like this? Yeah. And, and I remember when they made the trade for uh, Dubois, we were kind of praising that. Yeah. We thought this was a good move. And now the whole thing's blowing up in their face. So bad story with the L.A. Kings. We'll have to see where this goes. Other topics on the table, John. <laughs> Mary Lou Retton is in the news. And so is Michael Andretti. <laughs> Uh, this is this is a really weird story. Let's talk first of all about Mary Lou Rutten, the Olympic great gymnastic star, America's girl, um, retired from the sport. She's got four daughters. Became terribly, terribly ill about two months ago. Almost died in the hospital for an extended period of time with a rare form of pneumonia. Her daughters went public with the illness. Her daughter said she has no life insurance. Oh, man. To which John and I reacted when the story first broke. How's that possible? Anyhow, you, uh, the USOC and a lot of athletes poured their resources to get together and raised $460,000 to help pay Mary Lou Retton's hospital bills. Well, the Dallas Morning News had the same question How come she doesn't have any insurance? They did an investigative report. She got $8 million in a divorce settlement mm-hmm. and, and winning a lawsuit over a failed hip surgery. $8 million. Where's that money? How come with $8 million in the bank, she didn't buy in health insurance, couldn't afford health insurance? That sounds really weird to me. So there, this story is not done. This probe is continuing. Was this, was this a gimmick? By her family to take in more money? She got $8 million in the bank. Why are you saying you can't afford to buy insurance? So, weird story with Mary Lou Retton. Uh, Let's talk auto racing. Michael Andretti, legendary Andretti family, phenomenal IndyCar owner of all these victories, wants to go to Formula One. He made a proposal, which included a $250 million payment for the application to become a team on the grid for Formula One. The 11 other European-based teams don't want him to get a cut of the pie. They don't want him, period, here. And this is Liberty Mutual owns F1. Liberty Mutual owns the Atlanta Braves. And mm-hmm. Liberty Broadcasting, I guess, is the, is the corporate name. They, they're trying to make this a global sport and really do things in the U.S. That's why they put all these new races in Vegas and Miami and Austin, Texas, etc., So the F1 people rejected his application and would not even set up a meeting to talk to him about where his application may have fallen short. And then finally, after all this global criticism comes out, they say the Cadillac engines the GMC was going to provide for Michael Andretti's would not be competitive. And we don't want a bad team coming into our sport and getting a big cut of the media pie. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money in F1. And they refused to meet and discuss. And they said, come back and talk to us in 2028. 28? So Andretti is just, he's really beside himself. He's upset. 
And here's F1 and Liberty, which owns F1. Liberty is based out of Atlanta, I believe. They're trying to grow the sport in the United States, and you're snubbing this guy who's really successful, has got the backing of GMC and Cadillac? Jeez, that makes sense to me. Anyhow. Plus, he's got that name, Andretti. That's right. You know, so you'd think they would welcome him. But this reminds me of the super conference thing with the Big Ten and the SEC. Arrogance. Yeah, and they want to keep all the other guys out so they can keep the money for themselves, right? Uh, Yeah, this is not consistent with expanding the sport. But I want to talk about Mary Lou Retton because there's got to be more going on to this story, right? I mean, now, granted, we talked about health insurance in our system in America, which is a whole other topic, but it's expensive. And if you've got to go buy it on the open market rather as opposed to getting it as a benefit for a job, it's expensive. But she had kids. I mean, as a mother, she has a responsibility to her children to have health insurance, and she certainly has the means to do it. So how in the heck is she not covering this? And then what are they doing, a GoFundMe or something? And they want all the people to chip in. It's like bailing out billionaires, you know. So there must be something else going on here because it's just complete irresponsibility. But then it makes you wonder, you know, she was a star. What was it, in the 84 Mm -hmm. Olympic Games? And that was, holy moly, 40 years ago. I mean, she's a lot older now. Has she ever had a job? Has she ever had a job with insurance? Probably not. It's weird. And like I said, the story has not been completely told. Yeah. And that, that, but the Dallas Morning News dove into this. How could somebody with this name recognition and this success as a spokesman for the sport, et cetera, be destitute and not have insurance? Well, she wasn't destitute. They found $8 million right. in a divorce settlement and an insurance policy suit that she was awarded. Well, you think she could have even negotiated that in some of her, um, uh, you know, um, marketing deals as a spokesperson for Wheaties or whomever was yeah. you know, giving her a deal is, hey, I need some health insurance and par- make that part of the package. So we'll see where the story goes, but sure doesn't shine a nice light on her. And she was so, so popular. We mm-hmm. go from that. We got soccer to talk about. Yeah. World Cup news. I saw they've been announcing where the games are going to be played. This is kind of cool. Jerry Jones doesn't think so in Dallas. FIFA has awarded the championship game to the 2026 World Cup at the Meadowlands, New Jersey. Uh, Number one market in the country, which is kind of surprising because that stadium pales in comparison to Jerry Jones' AT&T Stadium, Jerry's house in Mm -hmm. Dallas-Fort Worth. But the Meadowlands gets a championship game. The semifinals will be in Atlanta and will be in Dallas. And the opening group play games have now been announced Team USA is going to play all their games out here on the West Coast. This is cool. They're not sending them to Mexico or Canada or some other venue. Team USA, Greg Berhalter, they're going to play two games at SoFi Stadium in L.A. Their other two group games are going to be up in Seattle at the outdoor stadium where the Seahawks play. And so that's going to be cool. We're going to have – they're going to be our home team right here in our backyard. So that's kind of cool. The other soccer story, guys keep moving. Kai Mbappe, superstar, Paris Saint-Germain, wants out, is out. He wanted a $77 million extension to stay there in France. They said no. Contract was blocked by ownership. He's going to Real Madrid. So he's coming back to Spain. He, like a whole bunch of other guys, have turned down Saudi PIF blood money. Hmm. He's not going to Saudi Arabia either. So he's coming back. He's going to play for Real Madrid, whom he always wanted to play for. But Paris Saint-Germain said, no, we're not paying the $77 million. 
Well, I want to go back to the Team USA and the World Cup thing. Didn't Stan Kroenke like make a big stink that I, I wasn't going to you know provide my stadium for the World Cup? What happened to that? He did not want to give them SoFi Stadium championship game without getting a cut of the pie in the championship game. Oh, so these and are pool play games then? The group play. They were talking about Team USA? Yeah. That's out here. And there'll be two at SoFi. There'll be two in Seattle for Team USA. Uh, Mexico City Mexico City is going to host Mexico's group play. The t- Canadian uh, World Cup team is going to play in Toronto for their first group play. So what they're doing is they're, they're placing these teams, the home the host teams, in a place that's going to be a magnet with big stadium facilities. But Kroenke wanted soccer. But Kroenke did not want to give them the stadium for the championship game and not get any benefit out of it where all the money goes to FIFA. Yeah, well, I don't blame him for that, yeah. you know. Uh, but to the other other comment about Mbappe and he's turning down the Saudi money and everything else, and we're seeing that with soccer players, you know, leaving the league or saying they don't want to go. But with LIV and the, and the PGA, do we, we don't really have any examples of that, of guys that have been in LIV and have come back. There are a couple of no-names who went to LIV and it didn't work out and they didn't like it and they, got, and they asked to be released and they were released. And that opened up windows for John Rahm to go and the window for the top player in the European League. Instead of coming here, he went. I think his name is Adam Moronk. Uh, and then the one tie... Uh, the one from England just left, uh, left the Pro Tour. He's gone to LIV. And, of course, there's Victor Hovland from Norway, who is rumored to have an offer, hasn't decided to go yet, but he's not played in a PGA tournament yet this this early in January into February. Wow. And he might go, too. It's, it's, a, it's a crisis of unbelievable proportions because, John, if you and I stood uh, at the first green at Torrey Pines— when I teed off here, mm-hmm. and I said, John, aside from Xander Shoffley, <laughs> name me anybody that you might recognize and know on the PGA Tour right now. Could you? No, I don't think I could. That's a problem because all the really recognizable names from what was Phil Mickelson to John Rahm, what is now from Brooks Kepka uh, to Dustin Johnson to DeChambeau in his mouth, they're all <laughs> over there. Right. So PGA's got a massive problem right now. How do they reclaim the momentum? Granted, there's some good young players on this tour, but there's no names in neon lights because mm-hmm. they're all playing in the Saudi Super League. That's that's why getting this merger accomplished. They they hope to have it done by April when the Masters is played. It's become so complicated because there's no identity outside of a few odd names that we might recognize. No identity on the PGA Tour. Well, how does the PGA decide how to market their sport when they don't really have a, a marquee guy? Because usually you want to put all your eggs in a basket for, you know... Yeah, Tiger Phil. Exactly. Well, who is that? I mean, there's no one to be the face of the PGA. Yeah. I mean, outside of Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, there's nobody that's real recognizable. And those guys haven't won Grand Slam events. It's a big, big mm-hmm. issue. Okay, those are topics on the table. Our Monday bonus podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you in San Diego, and by North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. You got projects for the home, you need Dixie Line Lumber. We're all going to need advice and direction and exams for our eyes. Think North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John, ready? Ready. Set. 
Go. Okay. Transform. Here we go. We've got a couple of quick ones right here for you, Lee. This first one's from uh, Baller. He goes, from Baja to the Canadian Rockies, react to me. And then Zach has to say, call my kiss my ass text hotline. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Those were phrases that were on the radio, whether management liked it or not. Yeah. And then and then right here, we'll talk a little Aztecs. Aztecs catapulted to number 24 in the AP poll. Well, they're in, but they can't afford to lose because they'll bounce right back out if they lose one of these two road games coming up. Uh, good program. Uh, tough season. I mean, I'll say this, and this may not go down very well. Last year was a spectacular season in the history of Aztec basketball, once-in-a-lifetime experience. Last year's great success was fueled by a tremendous coach in Brian Dutcher. It was triggered by a whole pile of players that got the sixth year of eligibility and stayed as super seniors because of mm-hmm. COVID. That's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Do not, do not mistake Aztec basketball with North Carolina or Duke or some of the other year-by-year national powers. That was great for the program. It was great for the school. It was great for our community. That was a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing because of the extra years of eligibility those guys got and elected to stay and play. Well, why not again? I mean, Butler did it. Butler went to the championship game two years in a row. So, yeah, sure, NIL and Transfer Portal have changed things, but there's a lot of guys going one and done, you know. So, you you know, Kentucky isn't what Kentucky used to be, and North Carolina and Duke aren't what they used to be. So why not? And if not the Aztecs and other Mountain West Conference, it doesn't have to be a once in a lifetime thing. But, but the NIL has changed everything. It's really hard to get guys. And that's yeah. why San Diego State struggled to get any big men to import this year because they didn't have the NIL dollars to match. The guys they wanted got stolen from at the last minute because somebody else called them at the last minute with dollar bills in their hands. So <laughs> that, not to say that this, this won't be a great Mountain West Conference tourney. This might be the best Mountain West tourney we have ever seen. There are five to six really good teams. And the wild card to me is neutral floor in Vegas. I think that changes a whole bunch of things. It's not neutral for the Aztecs. They win there all the time. Exactly. But it's (laughs) not like you're going to Las Vegas or the pit in Albuquerque where you might get ambushed. That's a whole other deal, right? Okay. Next question. Okay. Let's go here to John. And he says, Leafs, Lee, you got to rock the red. You need a Capitals hoodie. Oh, my goodness. I got so many hoodies, it's ridiculous. But I am a born and bred Maple Leaf fan, and I like the Oilers, and I'm a huge Kings and Ducks fan. I like hockey, so I violated all the principles. I don't wear a shirt and tie to work here because John dresses in T-shirts, so don't <laughs> beef at me alone. But uh, uh, now Washington Capitals, unbelievable run with Alexander Ovechkin, but they're kind of at the finish line. Well, that's your childhood team, right? The, the, yeah. the Leafs. Yeah, I was not a Ranger fan. Did not like the Islanders. I... I grew up watching Hockey Night in Canada as a kid. I got access to it on TV, and that way they were always the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens. You know what I've always wondered about with the Maple Leafs that just kind of bugs me? Is why is it not the Maple Leaves, L-E-A-V-E-S? I don't know. I don't have an explanation. <laughs> probably the only thing in the world of sports that I don't have an explanation for. Why probably. It's the Leafs. Okay, let's go on to the next. Let's, let's talk to Kevin here. He goes, I was worried if the Padres had enough pitching. You should be worried. Uh, they've got they've got seven guys with experience in the starting rotation. Seven, but that group includes Johnny Brito. It includes Valdez, who are both throw-ins in the Yankee deal, and it includes Adrian Morion, who has not yet established himself. So that's part of the seven starters. You're going to get some injuries. Now, 
can these guys pitch? We're going to find out because they're going to have to be in the rotation to start the season. They they could be in trouble. I don't have any problem at all with how they have loaded the bullpen because they've, they've got nine guys who have a lot of experience and a fair amount of success pitching out of the bullpen, whether that's setup guy, seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy, closers, plus we obviously got the, the two guys coming from Japan and Korea. I think the nine in the bullpen are solid. I just think they may have seven in the rotation, but I'll tell you what, there's at least, I'd say, three to four of those seven that have to prove themselves, at least to me. Well, that's the way it always is every year going in, right? It wasn't last year. Well, but they had like, you know, five guys in the rotation, but then they had like, you know, eight or nine other guys that were either 4A guys, up and coming, some free agent signings that are just all those depth pieces. Yeah, but there's no Snell, there's no Waka, there's no Lugo. Those were proven commodities. And Martinez. And, and Nick Martinez, multi role. Yeah. Right, so that, that's four guys who had done it f- to different degrees of success. How about Trevor Bauer? He's still there. Yeah, why not? Why not Bauer? I don't think there's enough money in the till. Well, I mean, who knows how much he can actually get, you know? Well, he'll get whatever the, the Major League veteran minimum is for a guy that's got all that success. But yeah. that might be $5 million or um, He's still there. And Urias is still there. Uh, but I don't know that the Padres are going to spend very much more money. I, I was told they have less than $18 million to spend. And they may have to reserve some of that in case they are forced to make some type of trade. To stay in the pennant race. Mm. So I don't think they're going to spend it all now because they want to have something in reserve if they need to go out and make a trade. They have to trade young guys to go get something established to keep themselves in the pennant race. But I I kind of agree with Kevin. I'm, I'm just worried that they don't have enough front-end starting pitching. Once you get beyond you, once you get beyond Musgrove, and if Michael King is everything people have told me he is going to be, that, that still leaves four and five and insurance policy guys if you have injuries. Well, what are they going to do if you, Darvish, and Joe Musgrove get hurt again or the, the injury lingers? They've got I, problems. Then they're screwed. Because I mean, Robbie Snelling's their top minor league pitcher. He's not ready. He's at least a half year, if not longer, away. And the young high school kid, Dylan Lasko, has hardly pitched at all above Class A. He's he's not ready to pitch at the major league level. So just got to keep your fingers crossed that, that A.J.'s assessment of those two pitchers that they got at the back end of the rotation from the Yankees, that those two with Michael King are all going to be able to do it. Well, but he's a good scout, right? That's the one thing you could say about well, Preller. He can I, he, identify the talent. Boots on ground, yeah. I mean, there is a proven track record there of identifying players. But as a retired baseball guy told me on the weekend, Yankees don't have a history of giving away top prospects. Yeah. yeah. They got rid of three guys. <laughs> yeah, they did. All okay, right, next question. Let's go here. Let's go to Victor. He says, Hacksaw, does Kershaw come back to the Dodgers? Brashear was picked up today, but I can see Kershaw in the bullpen. Uh, the surgery is complicated. Uh, this capsule surgery, which is what scared the daylights out of me when they diagnosed Joe Musgrove with the same thing. Now, he did not have need surgery, but those things get re-injured. That becomes a big issue. Uh, Kershaw won't be back till August 1st. I believe he signs a one-year deal or a half-year deal or a half-year deal with an option. And I think Kershaw will be there, but I think he'll be a back-of-the-rotation guy and a spot starter, and that'll be it. Uh, they just brought Brashear back. They traded Caleb Ferguson to the Yankees to open up the spot to get Brashear, who they really they fixed. I mean, he, he throws hard. He was with the Red Sox, and he had a high ERA, and the Dodgers figured him out, and he had a good back half of last season. He shopped himself around, and the Dodgers brought him back. I think it, I think it was on a two-year extension. They just did that today. Uh, so 
But the one thing the Dodgers have, a lot of other people don't. They got the young gun Bobby Miller, who really pitched well in, a, yeah. in the crunch last year. And they've got the other young pitchers, the Gavin Stones of the world. There's about four of them that are still in their organization that maybe one of those winds up surfacing and gets to Dodger Stadium. The Padres and Dodgers pitching staffs are like polar opposites, right? Well, right now they are, yeah. Yeah, because the, the Dodgers have a lot of name brand guys that you can count on, and their young kids are far better than the young kids for the Padres. Right. So um, they're in a good spot. Uh, Kershaw, you know, I always keep wondering, does he still have it? Or is has he lost it? Well, he, he seemed to have it, but it, you know, there's a wear and tear factor. All the innings he's pitched, only so many bullets in the gun, and then the, the shoulder capsule finally gave out, and so he's had the surgery. Guys can come back from that, but it take it takes a chunk of time to recover from from capsule surgery. Okay, let's go here to Craig, and he says, "Do you both get a chance to go to a lot of Dodgers, Padres, and Angels games? Nothing like going to a game. Hot dogs, peanuts, and beer. Love the atmosphere. Love the atmosphere at Petco Park. Haven't been much to Dodger Stadium. I loved it. Few times I've gone. Did spend a chunk of time doing stuff up at Angel Stadium, uh, but it's nothing like baseball. I, I give the Padres ownership a lot of credit." What they turned Petco Park into was a destination point. Oh, big time. And it's right next door. I saw you sitting in the bar yapping (laughs) in the gas lamp district. Uh, You know, and now they've taken Gallagher Square and have reconfigured that. And I think they're putting shops and stuff in restaurants underneath out in the outfield where the Tony Gwynn statue is. So the Padres have done a phenomenal job growing the area around the stadium to make it a truly great event. I thought one of the coolest things when they first opened this, and I I think I mentioned it at that point in time um, to Ron Fowler. I said, what the Padres did, well, this was actually Lucchino and Moores that created it. Mm-hmm. I said, but what you guys did, there was that little baseball field for kids out, oh, yeah. out in what's now Gallagher Square. Mm-hmm. That little, those kids with their dads and mom Bring her bat and glove and hitting a ball at the at the mini Petco Park. That was so cool because those are things that sell the game forever to families. I mean, just fabulous marketing things. And then obviously what they do with the military and then what they do with the giveaways. I mean, it's I mean, this is not just balls and strikes and home runs and strikeouts when you go to a Padre game. It's just it's just a cool cool event. Yeah, it's fab- fabulous. And, you know, just to answer Craig's question, yeah, I usually go to about two or three games a year, at, usually one at, or two at Petco and then one or two on the road. And I've gone up to Dodger Stadium to watch the Dodgers play the Padres. I remember one time I got hit in the mouth by a foul ball. It was crazy the way that one went down. Yeah, because you spilled your beer on your shirt. That's well, I why did. you're upset. I, 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 the ball, I thought I was going to catch it and it was back spinning because we were in the second deck behind home plate and I went to catch it. It fell off my fingers and hit me in the mouth and bounced off. And then I fell backwards into this big bosomed lady next to me. Uh, it was amazing. But uh, but to your point, the, the little baseball field is cool. I mean, because did you notice how the pregame guys, you know, with Pomeranz and Sweeney, they'd go out there and they'd use it as a place to conduct a clinic on television. Mm-hmm. Then you got the kids playing ball kind of there that they can be Manny Machado. Um, and then sometimes you get former players out there that are actually pitching the balls. You know, what a great thing. And I know the Giants have a similar setup right by that Coca-Cola bottle in left mm-hmm. field. One of the coolest things that Padres did early on at Petco, I didn't realize this till much later, 
they they went out to a, one of the little leagues, and I don't know whether it was in Escondido or it might have been out in the East County. And we have the rookie league. You have eight teams in mm-hmm. the rookie leagues, which are what eight, nine, ten year old kids. Yeah, and they get and they bought shirts, pottery shirts for each team, but each team got a different type of pottery shirt. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, and it was like the uniforms. Yeah. One one rookie league team would have the Padres and the pinstripes from the Gary Templeton era. Another one would have the Padres and the pinstripes, the brown pinstripes, the Tony Gwynn era. Another had the gold or, or the one that the uh, yellow and brown way back in the day, well, Taco that's like Bell. Cito Gaston. Yeah. You know, way back and, then. And so there were eight teams, and they yeah. each were the Padres, but they had. Their shirts were from a different Padre era. It was really cool. I saw pictures of it. It was neat. That I love that. You know, what's it's? You, I, this is kind of a little league rabbit hole here. But I remember when I played, you couldn't really wear the official uniform. No. There was like licensing issues and everything. And now they encourage it because they see it as a marketing opportunity. Oh. And then you know the, the light bulb went off for MLB. Finally. Oh yeah, you see an eight year old. Wearing a Padre throwback that mm-hmm. his team is wearing that throwback, yeah. and they're playing against a Padre team that's wearing the blue and the orange in the script. That's cool. And then you, you go to the game with your kid, and he gets to play in that little mini Petco park out in left field in Gallagher Square. That is so cool. Totally. That's a memory. Memory of a lifetime. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. And it's what a great place. I mean, that's like for young people, for kids, for older people, they got everything to offer. Funny story. Last story here, and we'll move on to some more. You talk about taking a foul ball in the head. <laughs> so I'm watching a Pondera game about a year ago. One of my friends is a, is a morning news anchor at, at uh, CBS 8, Netta Iranpour. Oh, yeah. Sweet lady. She is. So I'm watching the game. And I think it might have been against the Giants. Somebody of the Giants hits a home run. Left field. And I see this guy stand up wearing a Giant jersey. His wife stands up wearing a Giant jersey. He's holding the baby. They're eight-month hole. Hold it in one hand. He catches the home run ball with his right hand. And I told my wife, I said, that's Nadir Ranpour. Oh, she did that? Her husband caught it. Oh, her husband did. He's, she's standing right there. He's got the baby in one hand, catches the home run ball in the right hand. It was so cool. Wow. I promptly texted her, and she put it out on the internet and social media of her husband catching a home run. That's cool. She's Stories terrific, by the way. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Okay, we move on. We move on. All right, here. Let's go to uh, to Manny. And he goes, why do people belittle the 2020 MLB season? I remember seeing Padre fans and Braves fans being excited during the playoffs. If it didn't count, then why are those fans so interested? Well, 2020 was a hybrid season, but when in the record books, it counts. But but there are people in the media that use it as an asterisk. You know, the Dodgers have won only one World Series, the 1988 Kirk kicks and a home run. Nobody's paying attention. The Dodgers win the World Series in 2020. <laughs> yeah, it was a COVID season, but they earn what they earn with the schedule they had to play. So I don't pay any attention to that criticism. Yeah, well, yeah, as a Padre fan, if we if the Padres had won that World Series, I mean, we would be on cloud nine. I mean, we'd be celebrating it. But as but as but the Dodgers did, it's just a dig. That's all it is. It's a dig, and it should be an asterisk because it was a shortened season. It was a different kind of a situation. Everybody played by the same rules. They did. So it, it's it's a legitimate championship the Dodgers had, but it deserves an asterisk. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, Roger Maris getting 61 because they played more games. That deserved an asterisk, too. Yeah, but most people 
Don't pay attention to that star next to the 61. Yeah, he broke it, Ruth's record. But it's good. It, it explains it. It provides more context, and I think that's good for the sport. And we do the same thing with Bonds. You do the same thing with Mark McGuire. Those guys go in the Hall of Fame if I'm in charge. Okay, move on here. Move on. We'll go back to Chris here. He goes, Hacksaw, how many bleeping sweatshirts do you bleeping own? I own a lot. I just <laughs> a lot of clothes. I don't think I told John. I said, I, I don't think I own anything that doesn't have a logo on it. But I, actually, I do have a shirt and tie I wear occasionally, and but I don't own a suit. I know John has got a closet full of suits because he's Mr. Industrialist. <laughs> well, I see you on the news on KUSI. Yeah. You'll wear, the, you'll wear the, tie. The, the tie and shirt, so good for you. I return it to J.C. Penny at noon after I get off the air. But it is true. Every time you roll in here, you have a different sweatshirt with a different logo, and I love it. It's but awesome. we look pretty good. Okay, carry on here. Carrying on. Let's go to do some social media here. There's a lot of good social media comments, and we will go here to... Yeah, Padres. This is a good a good comment here from Super Reviews for you. Because Padres got around twenty one point five million before the CBT number and need to stay a couple of mil clear for a call up or two. Bauer one league minimum. Michael A. Taylor one year nine million deal with a player option for nine million to keep the AAV down. Sign Eddie Rosario for a year for six mil. Sign Garrett Cooper one year three mil. Here's your lineup: Kim at second, Bogart shortstop, Tatis right field, Manny third base, Campy catcher, Rosario left field, Cooper DH, Cronenworth first, Taylor in center field, your rotation, Musgrove, Bauer, King, Darvish, and Pedro Avila, the Pens, Suarez, Peralta, Wilson, Matsui, Santos, Go, Cosgrove, Luis Patino. Uh, too much too much data there. There's there a lot info. of data, okay. but it's actually well thought out. Well, with the exception of this, you're not going to give Michael Taylor $9 million to hit 230 <laughs> Now, granted, but you were paying Grisham $5 million to hit 200 with a gold glove. Taylor's not Grisham, I don't think. Bauer, that, that price is going to be a little bit higher just based on being a vested veteran. Uh, you have to make the decision where you take all the heat we're going to take if we let Bauer go out to our mound based on his personal choices and his social life. Um, They have to keep money in reserve because if you have injuries and then your hand is forced to go make a deal, get a veteran, they don't want to go over this luxury tax again because the penalties, there's like a hundred percent tax this next time. If you do it a fourth time, Mm -hmm. because they're over three years, that's why they're resetting this thing down to where they are. So I don't think it's a complete team. Uh, Preller has faith in the pitchers he got from the Yankees. That's why they've not been able to do anything else. And that now there's there's virtually nobody left on the open market outside of J.D. Martinez, and he's not coming here for $1.1 million. That's why he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Virtually all the other DHs, potential decent guys, are, are gone. And, you know, I'm not bringing back Choi, and, you know, I didn't want Joey Gallo, et cetera. But so Michael Taylor, $9 million to hit two thirty. Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so either on that one. That's too much. But, you know, th- he has the right idea, you know, here, super reviews. I mean, like Eddie Rosario. Man, that guy had a hell of a World Series. I mean, he was sure. playing for the Braves. That was two years ago, though. Yeah, but the point is, is that you get some of these veterans one-year deals, and and but he need you need to complement it with some of the young guys. So Jackson Merrill needs to be in that lineup somewhere. Maybe Jacob Marcy, someone like that. Well, that's what was the word Mike Schilt used? Opportunities. Yeah, there's opportunities there. Now we'll see see if they can hit. Go ahead. All right, let's go here. This is another one with a little bit of data. This is from uh, Mr. Bugman talking about Chargers. 
Most of the good players fell into their lap. Joey Bosa, number th- uh, three, Herbert, number six. Look at all their first and second round busts, especially the ones they traded up to pick. Kenneth Murray, Manti Teo busts. Imagine if they had drafted Mahomes at seven instead of Mike Williams. Mahomes went 10th to the Chiefs, not saying Mahomes takes them to the Super Bowl. No, he would have ended up like Rivers and Herbert. Well, it was interesting because Anthony Lynn wanted them to draft Mahomes, and Telesco and Spanos did not do it. And, and Mahomes had done so many great things. What did he play? Texas Tech, I believe yeah. it was. He had done so many great things in college in that system. But they, they must not have thought he was sound enough because there's a lot of other people passed on Mahomes, too, that probably thought much along the same way. So they got a problem now because it, all their all their young guys had some good seasons, and their, their payroll— Went up the amount of money those guys, the Joey Bosa's, you know, he's not worth thirty-six million cap figure now because he can't stay on the field. And I've been very disappointed in Murray and Doran James as good as he could be. Doran James is not Kyle Hamilton. That's what a safety should be. We mm-hmm. saw Hamilton and all the things oh, he's done. He was amazing. Yeah, just absolutely amazing. So they've made some mistakes. Some guys haven't panned out. Some guys have just been plagued by injuries. But they do sit there and draft 5-37 and 37 in rounds 1 and 2, so they're going to get some good players. And if they get creative, if Joe Hortiz, the new general manager, starts taking phone calls and say, who wants a quarterback? We'll give you the fifth pick, and you can get your quarterback, and you maybe you trade down from 5 to 10, and you get the other guy's number 2. So now you're drafting 10, 37, and whatever that other guy gives you in the second round, you get a chance to get three really good football players. And if you're a good organization— then you make hay with your third and fourth round picks, and that that can be done too. Yeah, they got some big decisions to make oh, yeah. here. But just one of the names on that list, Manti Teo. <laughs> I mean, how long did he even last in the NFL? Uh, I would say f- three to four years here, and he wasn't a game changer. Yeah, and I think he bounced around for maybe five five years total. Well, and then you know the other thing about you know could have drafted Mahomes. Didn't the Chargers want to draft Tom Brady, but like Mike Riley back in the day was trying to get him to sign him. Yeah, but the whole world was the guy stood in the, on the draft board for six rounds. Yeah, that a lot of people saw potential, not necessarily superstar productivity at the University of Michigan, but the whole world passed on Brady, and you know whole world passed on Brock Purdy, too. And uh, by the way, he's playing this coming Sunday. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do one more. All right. Let's talk here a little bit about MLB stadiums. This is from Snuffy Ballparks. He says, as long as taxpayers foot the bill for stadiums, the amount of money the owners have for player salaries is quite large. Fans often comment, quote, it's not my money. In many cases, it is. Sure it is. The system is rigged for the wealthy. Look at the owner profit in the sale of the Orioles. The stadium there is owned by the state. In part, taxpayers, mostly not even baseball fans, are paying player salaries there. Force all professional teams to pay their own way and salaries will go down. Well, I don't know that that's a correct statement. It's not as if the communities, the counties, and the states are paying 100%. It's all changed. That's why it's been so hard to get anything accomplished in the state of California. But there has been a massive revolt. Uh, Now, does it take... A contribution from the city, the county, the state. Yeah. In Buffalo, where they're building this brand new stadium for the Bills, that's, that's a three-way deal. 
The NFL and the, the Bills are part of that equation, but so is the city of Buffalo and Erie County, which is putting a lot of money into it. But it, it is a joint consortium now. It's not like we're writing a check and giving it to Dean Spanos and here's your stadium free of charge. It's not that way anymore. I don't think hardly anywhere in sports. I, I think this is a disgrace. I mean, when taxpayers are forced to subsidize, uh, uh, in this case, a corporation. I mean, it's not like we're being forced to subsidize other large corporations outside of the world of sports. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's, in my opinion, the improper role of government to be doing that. But at the same time, if they don't, if government and taxpayers don't subsidize, you're not going to see these Taj Mahals that are built all over the United States. But the unique thing, Stan Kroenke paid that whole thing himself. So Good for far. him. That's his stadium. He funded it. I haven't seen... Very many owners do that in modern day sports. No, I mean, what did Jerry Jones? Did he fund that, or did taxpayers? That help? was a whole combo of NFL, Jerry Jones, and the state of Texas, where everything is big. Yeah, right. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Monday bonus podcast Thursday. Thursday, one o'clock. Super Bowl preview: Kansas City, San Francisco. We'll be talking history. We'll be talking about. My experience in a Super Bowl, we'll talk 49ers and we'll talk Chiefs. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixieline Lumber Home Center Stores. Buy it, fix it, guarantee you'll like it for 2024. And by North County Eye Center, Poway, and Escondido. John, take a deep breath, get your notes together. We'll talk NFL Super Bowl come Thursday. I can't wait. Are you, are you going to hook up with your cul-de-sac friends and, and have some uh, shrimp like last week? Yes, year? definitely. We have a party <laughs> on my cul-de-sac in Rancho Bernardo that is unbelievable. And luckily, the police don't find out about it. Hey, listen, thanks for being with us. Hope you've enjoyed everything. We're glad to have you part of our team. Uh, hope you'll subscribe, share, tell all your friends what we do. Mondays and Thursdays, Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.